Good morning. It's good to good to see you this morning. I'm glad to be here myself. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. We were uh, two Sundays ago. We were in Fort Worth, Texas, celebrating the 30th anniversary of a church that uh, we <clears throat> went to. Cindy and I, and then Thad, when he was born later, went to in Fort Worth while I was going through graduate school. A lot of who we are in relation to figuring out how to follow God was shaped there, and our ideas about ministry and things as well. My mentor is the pastor of the church there, Harold Bullock, and it was a good time. It was a great time to, to recognize what God's done over the years. There have been about uh, 66 churches started out of that church, and we're a part of a network of churches that uh, have come out of that <clears throat> out of that church and are all across the country. And so it's fun to go back, see old friends, and see what God's doing uh, at Hope currently as well, and then just honor honor God and Harold and the staff for the work that he's done through them. <clears throat> uh, last week I was supposed to be on a planning retreat to think about what the next steps are for us as a congregation, and... Uh, Less than 24 hours into it, my mom was in the hospital actually the day before. We thought she was coming out, but she kept getting worse. They admitted her, and then uh, she was really sick there for a while. She just has, she's 88 and has some things going on with about every vital organ in her body. Um, and so <clears throat> we, uh, I came home, <laughs> didn't get much time, but the, the, the less than a day that I had was great <laughs> on the planning end of things. But I appreciate your prayers. I know several of you have been praying uh, for my mom, and I appreciate that. She's doing better. She's home. She's in the hospital eight days. That's a pretty long run. Um, so she's exhausted. She was very glad to get home. She slept 10 hours the first night and 12 hours uh, the next night. And if, if you're 88, you don't normally do that. But when you're exhausted, you just hit the deck. But... She's back, and uh, so it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back here. I was at the hospital with her last week and what didn't show up to, to worship. Um, today, we're going to start a message series on, uh, really, we're going to look at different snapshots from the book of Acts. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. You have the story of Jesus' life, and then Acts is the story about how the Christian movement began, how it got started. And what you find in Scripture is that God makes people for a purpose, and then since we've gone our own way and been cut off from knowing him personally, he saves us for a purpose. That's Salvation is what you find talked about in Scripture, and being saved is something that's very important to us, uh, we need to be saved because God made us and <clears throat> he intended for us to live life in concert with him and his ways, but we chose to go our own way and live life independently of him. The moment that we decided to go our own way, that cut us off from knowing him personally. It cut us off from, uh, so instead of Living here on earth for a while, then moving on into eternity with him, we now are destined for an eternity without him. And 
if, if we don't turn around and commit ourselves to follow him, that's the case. But what he did in the person of Jesus Christ is he stepped into our world, lived his life perfectly, and paid the debt for our sins. So that now if we accept what he's done for us, we, we can have eternal life. And that eternal life, we step into God's kingdom, and the eternal life that we can have that's off in the future for us begins to invade our personal history right now. It begins to make a difference. Um, the interesting thing for me, I, I was raised in <clears throat> uh, a family that went to church, family of believers, and I was also a very myopic, selfish young child, and as, I've, as I grew up in the church and dealt with the Bible and began to learn what the Bible says, I've never been successful at making sense of it if I try to get God in on my plan or my program or my world. But as I've learned to set my heart on doing life God's way for his purpose, it begins to make sense. Life really only makes sense if you're set on living for the purpose God's given you to live for. And the, the, the Bible only makes sense in light of God's purpose. So if you aren't living for that purpose, but you're living for your own purpose, you're trying to bring God in on your purpose, you get confused. And there's no sense of adventure. Things tend to dry up. <clears throat> this morning we're going to look at our our main purpose as believers, why he's left us here on the earth, and really why he hasn't uh, completely wrapped up history and made things right yet as well. I was watching a Deadliest Catch episode. I don't know if you've seen that. We got into it for a while. We watched almost a whole season of The Deadliest Catch. It's, it's a documentary. It's a TV program that, that could be mine. But I think I put it on silent, so hopefully. Um, anyway, if it doesn't go off, I'm going to step down and check it in a second. Um, but anyway, I was watching The Deadliest Catch. Okay, there it goes. Um, <clears throat> and that's a story about crab fishermen. And you watch this, and you realize, it's a documentary about it anyway. You watch these guys, you realize why crab's so expensive. Because they, they this is crazy what they have to do to get these crab. But they're fishing on these fishing boats in freezing temperatures, freezing cold water, and they lower the crab cages into the water. They pull them up. They're heavy. They're, you know, they can knock you out. and They do at times. Anyway, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Um, through modern television, you get to live life as somebody else for a brief amount of time, so that's what we've been doing. But anyway... Uh, watched one episode, and the camera kept following this guy who was trying to tie down the cages, the crab cages. The, the camera kept following because he's on this tall stack of crab cages trying to tie them down, and the ship's going, you know, like this, just listing to one side and the other. And so they're following because they're thinking, something's about to happen. He's about to go into the water. And if you go into the water, I think you have about two minutes and you have to get out of the water or you freeze and die. And so, sure enough, he falls into the water. And, and actually, I don't think the captain of that ship knew what was going on, but 
another ship was just kind of hanging out because he could see what was going on, and he realized this guy's going to go in. And so he's just hanging back watching this, and sure enough, plunk, he goes into the water. The ship pulls up to the side and rescues him. They pull him out of the water, and I remember the scene, this crusty old sailor in tears, excited, because he had saved this guy. I mean, he knew he saved this guy's life. And so he's just, the emotions were intense. It was TV at its best. <laughs> the emotions were intense. The sailors are like, oh, yes. And he's, he's crying and, oh, yes. You know, he's, he's, and the guy is, they took his clothes off as quick as they could, put him in blankets because the, the, the cold, freezing clothes would, you know, cause him to die as well. So he's wrapped up. He's shaking like this. And the, the captain and everybody else is like, yes, we got him. You know, we knew it was going to happen. We got him. Um, that's really a picture of our purpose in life as believers. You know, God saved us. You know, we were, we were living life on our own. Life gets shriveled up and dies and it's, it's just stale. But when you turn around and follow Christ, as you walk with him, his intent is to take you on an adventure where you can begin to help other people come to know him and find life as well. And so that, that to me, that, that was a couple of years ago. I, I could probably describe that scene in pretty good detail because of the emotion. This is, this is the same thing that we're assigned to do. And so over the course of this series, we're going to look at how to fulfill that purpose of helping other, other people come into the kingdom of, of God. And if you haven't yet committed your life to follow Christ, then what you'll find is what it's like to walk with him. You'll find out if you decide to commit your life to Christ, what he'll assign you to do, what your purpose will be, what he'll want you to do, and how he'll help you to do that, and the, the life that is found in following him and the adventure that's there in following him. I'd like to back up and just look at some general things. This isn't in your outline, what I'm going to talk about right now, but here are some general things that you find in Acts, the book. Uh, it's called... Usually it's titled the Acts of the Apostles in your Bible as you look at it. What you'll find, first of all, is a focused history. It's not intended to be a comprehensive history of the early Christian movement, but it's a, it's a focused history. Luke wrote the gospel by his name, and he wrote Acts. So he wrote these two books. Um, and that makes up about a quarter of the New Testament. So Luke, who was a companion of Paul, uh, wrote down the history of Jesus' life and then the history of the beginning of the Christian movement. And what he's trying to do in Acts is he's trying to give us instruction and inspiration through the example of the apostles that will inform us in how to live our lifestyles, our affections, our priorities and our purpose. So we can learn a lot as we see what God did in the early Christian movement. We can learn a lot from that. He also shows us the story of how God's plan for salvation began to spread geographically and ethnically. That was important because the Hebrews, the Israelites, they thought salvation was for them. So, so Luke <clears throat> shows how it spread both geographically, started in Jerusalem then it went to Judea and Samaria, and then 
uh, to the, the ends of the earth, to the other parts of the Roman world at the time. And so he's showing that, but he's also showing how it jumped from the Hebrews to the Gentiles, who are everybody else, you, know, you and I who aren't Hebrews. Uh, so it, it spread both those ways. You also learn how God moves in history on both a macro level, in the sweeping way, God's moving and doing things in history, and on a micro level, in personal, in our own personal histories, we can see God work in events and uh, things in our life that are going on, problems, struggles, highs, lows, everything that's going on, God's working. And as you live your everyday life, there are opportunities all around you. And so you see that in Acts. You see how the apostles took uh, advantage of that. You know, it's no accident where you are right now in your life. It's, it's no accident the family that you were born into. The address that you reside at right now is not an accident. God put you there. You learn that in Acts 17. That God put you right where you are. He put you in the family you're in. He puts you, he puts your kids. If you have kids, and they're on sports teams. They go to schools. They, they do different activities. He put them on the teams that they're on. When they were drafting for Little League, it was no accident where, where your kid ended up and the people that you're going to end up relating to because they're on that team. God plops you in a neighborhood. He puts you in a work situation. He's, he's given you your family. And he puts you there for a purpose, for a reason. He wants you to make a difference among those people. In, in Acts, this is referred to as your oikos, your household. And your household includes your family, your friends, and your associates. And God wants you to invest in the people around you and invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is an adventure as you begin to figure that out. Another thing you learn uh, in Acts is the role of God's Spirit in this adventure. You're encouraged just by watching the apostles how sensitive they were and how they followed the leadership of God's Spirit. You're encouraged to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look next week at that, what that means to follow God's Spirit, how he leads and what he does. But this is the key to the adventure, staying in, in connection with God. In the Bible, you can, you can live in the realm of the Spirit. If you've committed your life to Christ, you can live in the realm of the Spirit and experience all the benefits, all the help, all the leadership that's there. Or you can unplug, you can disconnect, and you can be in the flesh, which means that you live according to your old ways, your old nature, the old habits. You just do life the way you always have, regardless of what God would want or what God's saying. When you do that, life gets stale. It gets, it gets nasty. It doesn't taste very good. Your relationships get sour and things go wrong. And so it's very important to learn how to live life in the, in, in the spirit by his help and guidance. He will help you do what God wants. But the moment that you decide to do what you want, regardless of what God says, you disconnect and you don't have the help. So those are some general things that we're going to see in the book of Acts that give us a little backdrop as we dive in this morning. Here's the introduction that Luke gives to his book. We're going to look at Acts 1, 1 through 11 this morning. First five verses. 
In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Let's let's stop right there for a minute. Uh, Theophilus is uh, a man who, if you look at Luke's gospel, Luke was written to Theophilus, and so was Acts. In the book of Luke, um, Luke writes to Theophilus, and he refers to him as most excellent Theophilus. It just hit me. Bill and Ted could have said the same thing, but that's a different story, isn't it? (laughs) Most excellent Theophilus. Um, But anyway, Theophilus is referred to as most excellent, which is an entirely different thing than Bill and Ted. Uh, Most excellent was a title for persons of wealth and status. So it was a title. This is an official title. He doesn't use it by, he's not saying, hey, you're, you're really cool. He's using a title that was reserved for people of a certain social status who had a place in, in society. And it's interesting because what, what they think happened, which is, which is pretty obvious, is this man used his money and his position to fund and distribute the writing of Luke's gospel and Acts. So he had a lot of money. He came to know Christ. And God used him, all of the things that God had provided for him to be a blessing to uh, the Christian world at the time because he wrote this gospel. Luke says, I write this gospel to you, Theophilus, so that you'll be convinced of the validity of Jesus' claims. And then he writes the Acts of the Apostles so that people will get a sense of how Jesus is still at work today in and through his Holy Spirit. And so, you know, you didn't just go to Kinko's. You know, Luke didn't write this on a computer and then run down to Kinko's and run it off for the churches. This took, this took some money to do this because Luke was paid to take the time to write the story. He had to investigate the story. He was Paul's companion. So during the last part of Acts, we read about Paul's life, he was there. But for Jesus' life, he talked to the apostles. He got a thorough history of what was going on. He asked a lot of questions. He wrote out his gospel based on what he could find. And then uh, he had to pay. This Theophilus paid for Luke to do the investigation and the research and the writing. And then he paid scribes. You You don't just print them on the printer. You have scribes who look at the scrolls and they they take exacting. They're exacting. It's amazing the copies that we have that are so accurate to the original. But anyway, he paid the scribes to copy the writing of Luke and then distribute those copies. That took a lot of money, is what I'm trying to say. So he writes this book to Theophilus, and it's important because God saved him for a purpose, and Theophilus got it. You know, God's given me this status, He's given me this this money to use it for the kingdom purpose, to help extend God's kingdom in the world. So he he goes on, he says, I wrote about all that that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This was, this was the heart of what he was talking about. Kingdom of God is God's rule in the lives of people. 
that's set up by the Holy Spirit. His rule is set up. He comes to live in a person who commits themselves to follow Christ, and then he begins to lead and guide and give rule. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice the regular mention of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave his instructions through the Spirit. um, And then he says, wait for the gift, the promise of my Father, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The title usually that you'll find in a Bible is Acts of the Apostles. But one guy suggested that it's the Acts of Jesus through his Holy Spirit in the lives of his followers. I think that's really what it is. It's Luke's first book was written about the life of Jesus Christ on on earth. His second book, Acts, is written about how Jesus continues to work from his place in heaven through his followers by the power of his Holy Spirit. So it's important to understand that. He continues to work through his spirit in people like you and me to get his purpose accomplished. The perspective that you find in Acts is that Jesus' life on earth was only the beginning. The adventure continues. Like I said, the first book was written about what Jesus began to do. This one's written about what he continued to do in the first century, and it's unwritten. A man named Arthur T. Pearson, who was an influential guy during his day, he said this about Acts. This is the one book that has no proper close because it waits for new chapters to be added so fast and so far as the people of God shall reinstate the blessed spirit in his holy seat of control. So what he's saying is, this story is still being written. This adventure is still going on as people surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to follow his spirit. He gives help in in living this adventure and fulfilling God's purpose. The main topic of conversation of Jesus with his disciples was the kingdom of God. It's not a geographical kingdom, not a political kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom that has power. There's power in it to to do what God wants, to accomplish God's will. There's power and authority just like any other kingdom. There's authority and there's power inside God's kingdom. There's authority and power. And it's characterized, you find out in Romans uh, 14, 17, it's characterized by righteousness, peace, and joy. You get in it, you get in the kingdom of God by turning around from going your own way and deciding to go Christ's way, to go God's way, accepting what Jesus has paid for your sin, accepting, accepting his payment, and deciding to do life his way. The moment that you turn around and repent, that's what repentance is, turning around, going God's way, you enter into this kingdom. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and you begin to to reap the benefits of being in God's kingdom. Through God's Spirit, then we experience the benefits of the kingdom of God. We live them. We get a taste right now. Later on, the full banquet. When Jesus comes up, comes back, wraps up history, and makes things right here and sets up his he he in reality begins to rule everything in this world will experience the whole the whole thing but right now we get a taste and it's like we're a scuba diver 
you know, scuba divers, they go down under the water in, a, in an environment uh, where they couldn't survive if they didn't have their little pack to, on their back with the little breathing tube connected. And so we're like that. In, in this world, our spiritual life won't survive if we're not connected to the spirit. We won't experience the benefits of the kingdom of God if we don't stay connected to him. Um, because the promise that Jesus spoke about leads us to fulfill God's purpose and to experience life in the kingdom. So as we learn to cooperate with God, stay in the realm of the spirit, not in the realm of the flesh, we experience those benefits. The promise is God's spirit that he's referring to. You can look some verses up that show the promise. It says the promise of the father. God spoke through prophets in Isaiah 32, 15. He talked about this. Ezekiel 36, 27 says that there's a day coming. When I'm going to put my spirit in you, and that spirit is going to lead you to do the laws and decrees that I have laid out. So the spirit leads you to do what makes God happy, what pleases him. And so that day is coming. So what this means is you don't have to look at your everyday life and any situation in which you're in from a natural point of view anymore. Since you know God's purpose and you have God's spirit in you, it can change the way you look at your situations in life, your family, your work, your school, your, your, other, your neighborhood, the other friends and associates that you have, the ways that you, you, you don't have to look at them anymore like you did from a natural viewpoint. The difference is like watching a 3D movie without glasses and then putting the glasses on. I did that a couple months ago. I was in a 3D movie, and, you know, there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of stuff happening. Take the glasses off, and, you know, everything's out of focus, and there's a couple. I didn't leave them off very long, in case you were wondering. I didn't have some kind of weird <laughs> desire to see double and be whacked out. But I just thought, what's going to happen? Well, that, well that's, that's how it is as, as we stay, as we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, he leads us to fulfill God's purpose, so... In our family life, we can please him. And, and there's a reason for doing family life right, because we want to bring glory to God, and we want to please the people. We want to uh, honor him in the way that we handle our relationships. So with the Holy Spirit, we can see life from God's angle if we learn to rely on him. God wants to use you and I right where we are. It adds an extra dimension to every part of our life. So let's look at our purpose. Jesus goes on and he explains it to us in the next couple of verses. Acts 1, 6 through 8 says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is probably a discouraging question for Jesus. It makes sense to me. They sense this is an important moment in history. Jesus, are you going to make it right now? Are you going to wrap up history and rule and reign right now? He'd been explaining what his kingdom was all about. Remember, that was his main topic of conversation. And they go right back to, is this it? Are you going to bring it in now? And then he says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our role is to witness right where we are. If you want to know, if you're on, you know, you look at an adventure map, usually has the big arrows, start here. <laughs> this is where you start, right where God has put you. It is no accident, you find, in Acts 17, he put you where you are for a purpose, for a reason. Even the people that frustrate you at work, even the family members that sort of make your skin crawl at times, and you're ex- maybe in your extended family. God puts you in that place for a reason, to fulfill his purpose. He wants you to look around and see the people that he's put around you, in your family, in your neighborhood, at work, on uh, the people that you know through your kids, the people that you meet through others. And this is the thrill. And why do people jump out of airplanes? Because it's, it's that pushing through that, that moment when you're about to jump out and you feel like you're just going to get sick. And then you jump out, and it's, I guess it's exhilarating. I, I frankly don't want to do this, but I've done similar. It's like bungee jumping. You know, why do people do that? It's because it's a thrill. Because you're, you're scared half to death, then you jump and you survive the event. People, people do stupid things to get a thrill. I mean, I might jump out of a plane if I really had to, you know, with the pack on and everything. Well, we look for a thrill that's actually uh, wired into the Christian life. Because it's, it's kind of scary to be a witness. Jesus says here, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And for me, every time I've tried to share Christ with people around me, I have that, that same sort of feeling that i got to push through. And to be a witness is a thrill when you, when you help somebody actually move from the kingdom of this world and of the kingdom of God. I, I see that picture of the, the crusty old sailor. Oh, yes! <laughs> we saved him. We helped him. We got him into the right place. We got him out of the water. Yeah, that, that's the same thrill. God put you where you are so that you can help the people around you have the right picture of who God is. We make a difference in these places in, in several ways. First of all, by praying. You may be the only one at work praying for the people that are there. If God puts you there, he wants you to start praying. Maybe in your family, you're the only one. Things go on, things happen. You can whisper prayers to God and begin to make a difference. Pray for people that they might know him and come to understand him. Uh, we make a difference through our example, through living life the way God intends. We're not perfect by far. But the more we grow and change and begin to live the example, the, the, the bigger difference it makes to the people around us. Through testimony, we just tell about what God's done in our own life. By serving through kindness, meeting needs, caring. And then by sharing the gospel. This, this is what life's all about. And God puts you where you are so that you can begin to be a witness and help others come to know Jesus Christ as well. You reflect him. Our, our role is to extend the kingdom, to live the benefits, to experience them to the extent that we 
relate to God in the right way, and then to extend the kingdom to others as well. Another thing you get from verse 8 is God's Spirit provides the power, so we need to stay connected. We have the Spirit's power and guidance available. We're going to look more at this next week. You can actually unplug. Sometimes you look at a Christian life and you see, wow, that's, or you may be experiencing this yourself. Wow, I just, I have, I, this is dry, it's stale, adventure. There's no adventure here. What's going on? Well, you, you probably have unplugged and you're living life on your own again. You need to step back into the realm of the Spirit and learn to trust Him. We're going to look at that next week. And then finally, stay focused on your purpose, is what Jesus tells us here. Let's back up to verses 6 and 7. It says, So when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. As you get into Scripture, you find out Jesus is coming a second time to earth. When he comes to earth, he's going to wrap up history. Everything's going to be made right, and he's going to rule. And so the apostles weren't the only only ones who can get wrapped up in that day, the times and the dates and what's going on. It's very easy to get into Scripture and get wrapped up. When is Jesus coming back? How's that going to happen? What's going to go on? And Jesus says, get after your purpose. Don't get wrapped up in those things. The times are the critical moments in history. They sense that this was a critical moment in history. Is this it? The dates are epochs. There are seasons of time where there's an orderly development of God's plan. And Jesus basically says, don't worry about what's going on with my second coming, my return, when I'm going to make everything right. Focus on helping others to, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and be a witness and have an ever-widening circle of influence with the people around you. I put you there for a reason. Acts 1, 9 through 11 wraps up the passage we're looking at this morning. It says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they're watching this. Jesus is going up to heaven in a cloud. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you, into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, basically, these these were angels who showed up. Angel means messenger. They have a message. It's very clear. Don't just stand there. Don't just stare into the heavens and try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Now get after the assignment that he's given you. Start where you are and start now. Start to begin to pray. Begin to share the Lord with the people around you. Don't get preoccupied with heaven or the times of his return, but start being a witness right where you are. So what are your next steps going to be? Here are some, on on your outline and on the connection card, there are some next steps. You could choose one or add one for yourself if you'd like, but mark it on your card and drop it in the offering just as a a commitment uh, to follow through. One of the next steps could be, I want God to help me be a witness right where I am. 
Leroy Imes uh, was a strong Christian leader. He said, we're to be like pebbles dropped in a pond that generates ripples in ever-widening circles to the ends of the earth. So God, God's put you in a pond, your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, your associates, and he wants you to be an influence to help them come to know him. Our purpose is to start making a difference right where we are. Another step could be, I will ask God to show me how to follow his spirit. Maybe that's a new thought. How do I do that? I guarantee you God's spirit's been leading you already if you're following him. And He's, if you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, he's drawing you to himself. But he wants to lead you uh, to follow him. Another final step could be, I need to deal with distractions and live for my purpose. It's very easy to get distracted and think about all the things that are going on around here. But I want to deal with those and focus on why God put me at my work, why I'm in my neighborhood. Why is it that I'm in my family, the family that I have, your immediate family, your extended family? Why am I there? God puts you there for a purpose, to do his work through you as you trust him and follow his spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that instructs us. Thank you for the way that you worked through Theophilus and Luke a long time ago. You provided the funding and the financing for the work of writing the gospel through him. Thank you for the example that we find in the scripture of being able to follow you and watch you work.